Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We have Dr. Lisa Day with us. Hello, Dr. Day. Lisa. Good morning. Good morning or good afternoon, <laughs> whatever time zone we're on. Good morning, good evening, night. I don't remember who did that or what. I know it was some talk show host's uh, little thing they did every show, and I'm not hip enough to know who the heck that was. <laughs> I'm too tired, anyway, I'm, I'm too tired I'm glad, to be bothered. And I'm glad to be here. Well, whatever time of day it is. Yeah. Exactly. And we also have our friend that is um, coughing because she is like many of us working hard women who, you know, we just get run down sometimes. Dr. Christina Hallett joins us as well. Hi. And of course, right? What better to do than, you know, to get sick and cough on air? It's fantastic. <laughs> It's real. It, it, it's it right. We are real. The three is, real women. Yes. Ain't that yes. the truth? And real real women, real lives, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you have no idea how many times in the last two weeks. What, no, what am I saying? Of course you know, because you do the same thing. But so many times in the last two weeks, I've been like, oh my gosh, I'm so unprofessional. Everyone that I'm talking to is probably sitting there thinking, she is so unprofessional and unprepared. And I'm thinking to even just breathe, I seem unprepared. Well, so, so, so Dr. Day would chime in and say, oh, you're so approachable. You're so exactly. real. So yeah. real. It's all yeah. about real yeah. and authentic. Don't you know that authenticity is the hot buzzword? We are running the trend, babe. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. And this is why I love doing these things with you guys. And I'm sorry for anyone that I just blew your eardrums out with my cackle, but um, <laughs> we get Christina to cough sometime in here and she'll make up for my, my blowing your eardrums out. But it, that's the thing. You're right. It is. The authenticity is, it is so what people want, but there's a big world out there that's telling you that that's not what people want and that you're wrong for being that way. And it's usually people that are afraid of authenticity themselves at, or they eschew it completely because they're incapable of having it because they're raging narcissists. So it's really hard to run around and be vulnerable, open, authentic, 
while you have people chattering in your ear loudly or quietly going, there's something wrong with you for being this way. You're not, you're not, you're, you know, or, or, or the topic of our discussion today, you know, yes. FOMO, meaning they say you should in order to be okay. So authenticity mm -hmm. is defined by something outside of ourself, you know, rather than inside. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like this is a perfect FOMO moment, this kind of <laughs> conversation that's going on. What prompted me to want to talk about this, and thank you, Lisa, for rescuing everyone from me rambling forever. What made me think of this and go, I want to do this is I was I, I don't really go on social media much anymore, especially uh, with the, you know what we talk about in the summit we were just at, which we'll get into in a second, but I really don't because it feels too loud. I think once you dip out of it and you dip out of it long enough, it's hard to sort of get back into it and not just feel like you're being visually assaulted or all your senses are being assaulted. So I went in one day though, and I saw you, Christina, in Ireland and you were there with Amy O'Neill, the, the woman that does the Trauma Impact Podcast, and you guys looked so happy. And I, and I oh, I do nothing with my life. I have nothing oh. going on. I should be, why, why don't I do those things? Like, what is wrong with me? And then I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. Bobo, that's what this is. We need to talk about this on the air. So, Christina, I didn't tell you that ahead of time, but that is what, that, seeing you there, prompted me to go, we need to do this show. Oh, that's so funny. Did you forget you were just in Greece? <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> well, and I, oh. you know, Kristen, I think that speaks to something though. You know, when you said it, it's so quiet, you know, I'm one of my favorite writers of Untethered Soul, Michael Singer, you know, he mm -hmm. talks about yeah. the powerful mind is a quiet mind. And I think FOMO, fear of missing out, just makes so much chatter going on in the brain. And the chatter that goes on in the brain is really a negative dissecting evaluation of one's life. Yeah. And, you know, we're working, so many of us are working toward, as you would say, Christine, the, um, the authenticity, you know, of living. And yet FOMO or fear of missing out and, you know, hitting that social media button puts so much negative chatter in our mind that the fallout is just destructive, pure destruction. You know, Lisa, you're completely on the money with that. And one of the things I was going to add in a minute ago is that the reason that authenticity is so important to me and that FOMO, I mean, it obviously comes up for me sometimes because I'm human. I don't think anyone can get away from it, but generally not because it takes way too much energy for me to be worrying about what somebody else is doing. And I don't really want to distract that from my life. So all those shoulds and obligations and what everyone else is doing kind of concerns and thoughts, they drain energy. And, you know, it for me, it's just easier to be me and do the things I'm doing and be in the moment of enjoying them. Well, well I think what's important, though, I think that all three of us know what FOMO is, you know, the fear of missing out. <clears throat> but I don't know that everybody does. And, and we can laugh about it and joke about it. But in, in reality, it's a compulsive concern that is, you know, really taking over people's lives. It's a Absolutely. social anxiety yeah. that is just driven by this need to stay continually connected to what other people are doing. And it's pathological. So we joke about it. And, and yes, we feel, oh, my goodness, I want to be in Ireland, or I want to be on that mountaintop, or I want to be doing that podcast or that TED Talk or, or at that, that you TED should Talk. be, not even that yeah. you want to because you're too tired. Right. But, you know, I know that, that um, when um, Kristen and I were at um, the summit, you know, and um, Sahin asked, you know, the, the, the group there just to take a look at the average amount of time spent 
on social media, you know, in their settings of their phone. I mean, we're talking four to 10 hours a day. And, and that's a, that's a lot of time spent comparing oneself to others. And, you know, in my practice, in my practice, always people will say, oh, this anxiety is so bad. Where do I start? And I say, well, there's many places to start, but we want to start from the ground up. So are you eating well? Are you exercising? Are you sleeping? And do you meditate? And, and meditation has been shown you know, on many different studies to have a really positive effect you know, on our neuro functioning. And everybody rolls their eyes. Everybody says, oh, I know I should meditate. I know I should pray. I should, but I don't have time for that. And I say, okay, put up the setting, pull up the settings on your phone and tell me how much time, you know, and I had a client in here yesterday and he's like four and a half hours. I said, I'm just asking that you give 15 minutes. So you could still have four hours and 15 minutes on social media. Yeah. Well, you still have that anxiety. Right. Right. Yeah. No. We you know used to I, call this keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. And I actually set my phone now to where if I'm on, I did this starting about two weeks ago on all the apps that I'm on the most to completely cut them off. Like I can't even access them without changing my settings after an hour. And yesterday I was on Amazon apparently for over an hour. <laughs> and I'm well, like, okay, shopping much? <laughs> Well, and, and I, I think that's a brilliant point, though, because, you know, Christina, you say, you know, it's nothing new when we, we would talk about keeping up with the Joneses and we'd see the new boat they had, you know, in their mm-hmm. front driveway. And we look at that and then maybe we go inside and think, I don't have a boat. You know, I don't, don't have a pool either. But when you're talking about spending that amount of time and the effects that it's having on you, it, it's bombardment, you know, and it's my belief. Again, I always go back mm-hmm. to the neurochemistry. It's my belief that it triggers our cortisol. You know, we've got the fight, yes. the flight, or the freeze. You know, yeah. get away from it, or I need to get involved in it, or I don't know what to do, but I'm a loser. You know, it has a negative impact on our life, pervasive. Well, and specifically notifications. <sighs> Yeah. Right. That there's, there are, there's some research, of course, I'm not going to remember it offhand, but I'll try to get it and send it for the show notes that talk about how notifications give you that jolt of either cortisol or dopamine, one oh, or the uh, other. Absolutely. And, and Frank King and I were discussing this earlier this week because we're working on a digital distraction in the workplace. And um, I was sharing with him a study that shows over 75% of the respondents, I think there were 1,200 people in this study, say that notifications, 75% of those say notifications are the number one distraction in their work day. Just the notifications. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question. It, you know, it's interesting because most of the day I don't even have my phone near me. Right. Because I'm either talking to someone for psychotherapy or teaching or speaking or doing uh, coaching. And so, you know, I'm not going to look at my device during that time. And and so it's only in the in between time. And while you were saying this, of course, I had to pull up and look. So it looks like I had 15 minutes on social media. <laughs> Good, Good job. Just Good wanted job. to say, right? And it's yeah. really sort of liking those things and sharing some things to promote some stuff that I think is really important for those people who still are on it. So I think in some ways also, it doesn't have to be a total ban, but it right. can be paying attention. And like you said, Kristen, either setting a timer or looking at what are some ways that we can make choices in how we're using our time to keep us away from that anxiety of, oh no, what's going on without me? 
Well, and, it, and it's not just, you know, the, I mean, there's a drive force behind it, right? So we, we say, okay, we want to see what our friends are doing or what parties we're missing. But, you know, in the field of psychology, we have this self-determination theory, right? It sounds pretty clinical and it is, but it's really that we have, we, we, it's a natural state to desire connectedness. It's a psychological need to feel connected with other people. And unfortunately, FOMO or, you know, hitting social media gives the false perception that your needs for interaction, your needs for connection are being met. And that therein lies the problem is that it's a natural driven need to be connected with others. But when it's met um, online, internet, and social media, it's not actually meeting those needs. It's a false, you know, it's a yeah, false attempt. It's like so, drinking a Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> liquid Satan, as we call that. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, and so you're looking for this, you know, gratification, you're looking for these specific nurturing needs to be met. And, and it really markets to that need. But unfortunately, you know, what studies are showing us is that while you're going to social media with a genuine developmental psychological need for connection, at the end of that, all research is pointing to loneliness and then subsequently increased depression and increased anxiety. So the very thing, the very drive of it is natural, but the result of it is actually leaving us in a deficit state. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just so everyone knows, the summit that we've mentioned is um, a it was a student mental health summit. It was put on by an organization in Michigan that runs, um, it's a student association organization, and they put on their first mental health summit. It's for all the high schools in the state of Michigan. And we were there speaking and we learned so much. I mean, I, it was indescribable how much I learned just being there. I, I, you know, I went there to do something, to talk as you did, Lisa, and I left with, oh my gosh, I got way more out of this than I actually gave to these people, which, you know, will help me the next time that, you know, I go do well Absolutely. And I came home from it, you know, being 25 years in the field of neuropsychology, and this is a little bit of a bunny trail, but a, a, an important one, I think, because I came home from it terrified for our next generation, you know, the millennials and generally Z's, because, you know, in presenting with them and listening to the, the questions that were fielded to us, you know, following our presentation, um, my light bulb in my head went on that not only is social media becoming an addiction, which I think we're all in agreement that it is an addiction, but mm -hmm. the scary, the scary thing for me is that in the neurodevelopment of the brain, which takes place up until the age of 25, our brain in our neuroplasticity is developing pathways of, of communicating your dopamine and your glutamine within your brain. And what I, the light bulb that went on for me that really lives me with goosebumps as I speak of it is that we are developing addicted brains you know, so in, in my mm. culture, in my culture, there were some people who were, were predisposed to alcoholism and drug addiction and what have you. But my terror right now, my research, which I'm staying up between 12 and 2 a.m. Um, sinking my teeth into, <laughs> is that literally, yeah, right? That's my social media addiction. But it's my, it's my need to know that neurodevelopmentally, excuse me, we oh, are creating yeah. brains to be addictions, not to develop addictions. We're creating brains of addiction. Yes. So it's terrifying. Yeah. It's not just funny and it's not just, oh, I didn't get invited to that party. It's yep. what's happening to the development of the youth's brains that is terrifying. Absolutely. And I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to laugh um, just, you know, cause we have to add laughter to this, that you, you know, we just did this. We were so tired. Uh, we filmed a lot of stuff too. And Sayin has pronounced just Sayin. That's his name is saying, and you're like, and Sahin, <laughs> because, because who has time with all this stuff to actually remember details? I mean, and I say that 
seriously. I, yeah. I find, I find like, those things too happening for me. Like I feel like the, I already have this ADHD thing that I've had forever and thank goodness it's diagnosed and I have things to help it. But, uh, but it's constantly being reinforced by this yeah. world that we live in. So it's like, I'm, you know, I'm just feel like I'm constantly have to carry around a fire hose because the fire is everywhere because of this well, connected, you know, the connectedness. World. Well, and I, I think it too, I think it's helpful, you know, not only for ourselves, but for folks who are parenting, because I think that parents are terrified. I get parents all the time in my office. I don't know what to do. You know, he or she is in their room all, you know, hours of the evening. They don't want to connect. They don't want to spend time with family. It's the phone, phone, phone. And, you know, tell folks that, you know, it's, it's cultural, obviously social media, technology, the internet is not going away, but specifically with FOMO, I also educate that there's three character um, dynamics, if you will, that we keep an eye out for that put people at a higher risk of FOMO. And those three dynamics are extroversion, go figure, um, mm -hmm. neuroticism, which is a bit of an antiquated term from psychologist's point of view, um, and then the attachment style. And, you know, extroversion, because they, they're, they're validated from the outside in, so really needing that validation and that hit. You know, neuroticism, really just emotional instability. So those who are extrovert and who tend to lean toward an emotional instability um, are at higher risk. And then the third one, which we really want to keep an eye out for, and we, um, Levine talks about this a lot in his book called Attached past tense, um, is an anxious attachment style. And, oh, you know, yeah. we all know people, yeah, and we all know people who they're in a relationship with their boyfriend or their girlfriend and they text incessantly throughout okay, the day. That's not me. Yeah. Anymore, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. Well, yeah, it's not, but it's our younger generation. And yeah. it's like, well, he didn't text back and it's been 10 minutes. And I'm like, right. Oh my golly, that's just yeah. fueling that anxiety. It just, it perpetuates the problems is what I'm, what I'm seeing. And well, and then that person is literally living in a constant state of anxiety. Yes. It's right. It's it's creating and reinforcing those neural pathways so that because we all know, right, that bottom line, whatever you repeat, you strengthen. And so the whole lens through which the individual seeing the world is now through this. Uh, when is it going to happen? Instant gratification, high anxiety lens. And that makes a huge difference when then you try to get to personal face-to-face -face interactions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I definitely have that attachment style. Um, I, I think it's a, the nature of the trauma that I went through. And also I've been in the world of technology for a long time, uh, more than a lot of other people uh, it, it, for someone my age, just because that was the career that I went into. So that world, which has been wonderful for me having a career, but it also comes with things like creating that kind of an attachment because I, I, I have to walk myself down a lot from, okay, calm down. You'll, you'll hear from that person when you hear from them because I, I am expecting that instantaneous, you know, mm. so it's a walk back for me um, a lot and I'm going to be 50. And, I'm a <laughs> and, it, and it leaves so, you, yeah. it leaves, it leaves folks, I think, um, interpreting Boston. worst case scenario. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, so oh, text right. is taken out of context, right? So, you know, if they didn't text back within an hour or 24 hours, we assume we've done something wrong or we were not included. Mm -hmm. We don't think that they might be out with their horse. <laughs> they might be climbing a mountain <laughs> or they right. might be unplugged with their family members. But I think that folks tend to skew negative and go, I must not matter. I'm not good enough. I said something wrong. They must be angry at me, which again, you know, just fuels that neurotic cycle.
Right, there's the catastrophizing yes. and the self-reference, right? It's something wrong with me. Yep. So that whole I'm not good enough piece really starts to escalate as well. Yeah, and I see it too. Uh, you know, some of my friends are 25 years younger or more than I am. And I see it. Of course, I see myself and how I was. And that's part of being that age. But I see it at a much more aggressive level with them because, you know, I didn't have a smartphone and that kind of stuff when I was their age. So their, their path to judgment is so much faster than mine was at that age. Like because of the social media piece, the path to like, it takes them a bit of being around me to calm, like calm their system down and have a deep conversation, a not so quick to judge conversation because that's what I bring in when I'm having a conversation with them because that's, you know, wh where they reside. I think I'm in a difficult spot with where I reside. They're in a... <laughs> Well, and I, th you know. I think that's, I think that's, you're speaking to a really profound point too, Kristen, is that te we tend in our um, developmental years to organize our world as either good or bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that social media and, <clears throat> excuse me, technology, we tend to interpret posts that we see, someone being in Ireland or the Bahamas, as either good or bad, good for them, bad for me, because I'm yes. at the office, right? Or, yes. and so we, we do it as good or bad rather than good and bad. And so what I'm seeing is that there's less of an integration of the good and bad in self, the good and bad in others, and the good and bad in the world. And mm -hmm. I think we're seeing it in it, um, politics. I think we're seeing it socially. And certainly, you know, we're seeing it online. We just want to look at all the bullying and the subsequent suicide shows that it's good or bad, right or wrong, in or out. And that, you know, thinking is, is so very destructive. Absolutely. And so, you know, my, if I go on, I am so like, let me preface this too with, I pay someone to do all the social media related to the network. And that includes my public pages that are just about my show. So it may seem like, oh my gosh, Kristen's on all the time. And I've had people text me and go, Kristen, you're really overdoing it. But if you look at just my personal Facebook, I really am not on very often. And that's the only place that I post. It's someone else doing it for me. It ain't me. <laughs> well, and, and, and we train people, right? We train people how we operate. So if we respond immediately, then that's the expectation that we would mm -hmm. be responding immediately. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed with a college student or the millennials, right, is, is certainly, you know, there's an upside and a downside to social media technology and cell phones. And the upside is that they can, they can stay connected and they can feel support, you know, like IE from mom several thousand miles away, but because they've trained, or in this case, my daughter has trained me that she responds right away. If I'm trying to book airfare and I'm getting in touch with her, I'll get this, ah, I'm in the library, I can't talk now. So while it <laughs> decreases stress, they, she feels the need to pick it up and say, I'm in the library, I can't talk right now. Yeah. So it actually, it decreases stress in one regard, but then it increases stress in another. So you know, there's upsides and downsides to it. All right. That's fascinating because my daughter does not respond to my call. She clearly hits decline. <laughs> she I has pass, good boundaries. I'm like, wow, I don't have that immediate response. Okay. Well, 
And that's what I'm saying, Christina, that's because of the training. So we train people. My daughter's obviously trained me that when I text her, she texts right back. So that would be my expectation. Your daughter has (laughs) very good boundaries and she's trained you that if you call her, she'll answer if she's able (laughs) and available. (laughs) Or chooses to, right, exactly. Or chooses to, yeah. Although, you know, in all fairness, I have definitely been trained the other way because um, rarely, typically if she wants something from me, she'll text. So if she calls in my head, talk about catastrophizing, you know, I immediately have to answer because I'm like, oh, no, what's wrong? Even (laughs) though she will also call to ask a favor or to tell me something good. But nonetheless, and I think of this every single time it happens because I see her number no matter what I'm doing, I answer and I recognize, hmm, look at this. I'm worrying that it's something bad. So I'm answering even though I know that the evidence does not say it's necessarily bad. Isn't that funny? I've so often I have to tell myself, okay, um, the evidence is, uh, what's that saying? I'm going to butcher it about evidence not appearing real or. Oh, false evidence, not appearing real. Okay. Yeah. So I'm constantly saying false evidence, not appearing real about so many things during the day. Uh, You know, if someone doesn't respond right away or, or I went on Facebook and saw something I didn't want to see, and I'm maybe going to go a little bit down a rabbit hole. Was that targeted at me? And then go, okay, Kristen, stop. Like, seriously, you're, you're not that important. And this person's been on social media all day because, look, there's 20 posts. Clearly, they were not picking one out specifically for you at the thought at, that the ran- a random second you might come on and, you know, like, what's going on with you, Kristen? There's something else going on here. It's, like maybe you need to sit and feel your feelings for a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> my son is well, the same way. Like he just does not, I'll text him and I'll call him two days later and go, did you get my text? And he'll go, yeah. I'll go, well, how come you didn't respond? He goes, well, you were just telling me something. You didn't ask a question. And I was like, and I, and I go, okay, got it. <laughs> Well, and, and that's, and, and I think that's important to, to look at closer too, Kristen, because you're talking about, you know, if you bring it back, so the fear of missing out FOMO, it, it lowers self-esteem, you know, it mm-hmm. creates inferiority, yes, it, it, it spreads negativity, all based on assumptions. You know, we find ourselves not living our lives, but worrying about how other people are viewing us, which is, oh, yeah. which is, yeah, and we get distracted from work, we get distracted from podcasts, you know, we get distracted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really has an invasive, you know, um, component to our life. And then there's the part, this is the, the newer, I love all the, the Googling and all the new terms that we have with technology, but one of my favorite new ones is fubbing, you know, that you're no, fubbing. Oh, this is a new one, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. And um, I, I have my most recent experience of fubbing was when I was with my girls um, in Jamaica last year. And we're at this beautiful waterfall, a, a private waterfall. No one knows, just the locals took us out there. And my girls were so excited because it was so very ex- uh, exciting and gorgeous that they couldn't get on their phones and get off their phones fast enough. They needed to pick, take a picture of every stinking piece, every pose, every water drop, every rock. <laughs> and I, you know, and so what fubbing is, it's more attention to the phone and capturing the moment and it prevents you from even experiencing the moment. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and it, you know, I finally had to be the big bad mama and say, girls, I really need you to put those in the backpacks because I want to experience this beautiful waterfall with you. With you, right Yes, now, with right. you. Yeah, and right here, right now. <laughs> Did you yeah. see the, the woman that is banned from some, some big cruise line for life because she crawled out on the outside of the balcony with her phone to get 
and then and sort of you know walked on the outside of the balcony sort of you know on the outside of the ship this is a huge huge cruise ship in the middle of the ocean some person on the other side of the ship caught it and she did all of that so that she could get the perfect selfie oh my golly so not only is she doing that she's also doing it with one hand Oh my golly! Get that shot with her. That makes me frightened, and and that makes me frightened, and I'm sitting in my office. Well, and so, so I I think it's important too, though. You know that we can talk about the concept of of FOMO, but I think it's important, and as you said, notifications, Christina, are a huge, you know, thing and a distractor. And I think that you know, in addition to turning those notifications off, or you know, as Kristen, you say, putting an app on so you have to actually go to them. You know, some simple tasks such as you know when you're looking online, and the the big one for me because I'm not a big social media person, but I'll look on Facebook and see where my friends are, you know, and they're, you know, they're in the Bahamas or they're in the top of a peak in Colorado. And it, it always makes me yearn. To, I got to be there. I got to be there. Right. And, and I, I live in Sun Valley, Idaho. You know, it's like <laughs> a, a slice of heaven. Right. Right. And so, so I, I, you know, I'm driving to work. And so one of the things I practice and teach is to reframe it, right. To, to begin to track our negative thoughts and mm-hmm. our negative, negative appraisals, you know, looking at, oh, that's good. And, and my life is bad. And to, go really and challenge those thoughts and replace them with more positive ones such as they are really having a great time and I'm so excited for them rather than a comparison or contrast yep. you know and yeah. then you know so reframing is a big one um Christian we talked about this at the summit of taking breaks you know scheduling times that you'll actually go to and check your social media rather than doing it you know throughout the day you know incessantly exactly. checking you know some sometimes I tell my clients not to check their phones before eight or after eight yes, um, PM just as, me too. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. You begin to experience just what you were talking about, Kristen, is the quieting of the mind rather than the urgency, yeah, you know, I of don't the want mind. My, my, my brain and my mind to be inflamed all the time, because guess what? It was inflamed all the time as a kid because I had mass amounts of trauma. I know what that feels like. I know how unhealthy it is and I can literally feel it, you know, shortening my lifespan. So I don't want to invite things in that are going to, you know, keep me in that place that I know very well. I, I find, I have found this sort of curve. I hope that it's, I, I think that it's becoming, you know, the, the new turn that I'm taking where, instead of always being inflamed and feeling like I'm the bad one and feeling like I'm missing out and all this kind of stuff, I I seem to be turning more to this peaceful place and somewhere on the journey of being in this peaceful, quiet, like my personal life is so quiet. It is so peaceful. I mean, yeah. Well, and I have, I just get up and I'm in love. They make me, I mean, I'm, and, and I, and I live there and I'm just about at the other side of feeling like there's something wrong with me that I'm living that way because I'm so not used to always really having this peace. Kristen, I'm jumping out of my seat because you've got it. It's called the joy of missing out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, the, it's the joy of missing out of not having to be here, there, or the other, not having to show up. It's just enjoying the quiet peacefulness of your dogs, of your home. Yeah. I, I tell, I tell my girls, cause I'm right on the edge of empty nest and everybody's like, Oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You've been a single mo- mother your whole life. And I'm thinking, Oh, I know what I'm going to do. It's a whole lot of nothing. 
It's a whole right. lot of it nothing. It takes work, though, yes. to be okay with yes. nothing. It really yeah. does. It really, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, listeners, if you're, you know, if this resonates with you, it's not like you just ace it. It's like people that, you know, have worked forever and then they retire. And then you see a lot of people that, you know, they really can go downhill from retirement because they're not active and busy, busy, busy. In a different way, the going to this restful place if you've had always chaos drama chaos drama chaos drama it messes with your equilibrium you gotta you gotta figure out how to oh 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 okay this is okay this is good oh okay you know i actually had to sit yesterday and my ex-husband's wonderful about this and i said can you just will you just listen to me list out all the things that i did today and I don't do this all the time, okay? But I, for whatever reason, I need to do it. And he goes, okay, sure. And I know he's like, <sighs> but, you know, he probably muted me. But I did it. And I, I went through because I was feeling like, you're just not getting anything done. You're tired. Well, hello. You have two 12-week-old puppies. Like, yeah. Not just tired. one. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. and I just- You're not missing out on anything. <laughs> and filming something and dealing with, you know, whatever. And so I was like, I just, I said, I just need to say it. So I went through. And it wasn't to be like, look at me, how busy I am. It was more to go. It was more to that false evidence appearing real. Kristen, stop. You did all this stuff. You are not a lazy person. You handled all these things. You're tired for these reasons. So just stop thinking that you're less than or that you're not doing anything or that this quiet experience that you have craved forever just and didn't know how to navigate stop thinking that that means that you're now becoming a schlub that does nothing well that's and, what and i needed to tell myself well and, and it that comes back kristen to you know um throughout the years of working in the field of addiction i always ask my clients i mean what i say what do you call cocaine right and unanimously anybody who's struggled with cocaine will say more you know, it's called more. It's a drug of when you do it, you want more. Mm -hmm. And that's my concern with social media and technology is it makes you feel like you need to have and do more. Mm -hmm. And that's just the lie that I think is mm -hmm. destroying us from the inside out. More, 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 more contacts, more leads, more likes, more follows, more invites, you know, more friends, more adventures, more travel, more shoes. You know, it's like, it's, hey, it's wait, more shoes. That's okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love the sparkly ones that you put out, Christina. Those well, are awesome. Well, but, but the truth in that is that advertising companies are using social media to get the FOMO mm -hmm. effect as well. You know, the price yeah. is good for the next 22 hours. You buy yes. yours now. The clock is right there counting down. Yeah. Well, that's one of the marketing tools that's literally given to every person who does any kind of basic entrepreneur training, right, is make it a scarce resource. So that literally, I, I have been in dozens, dozens, multiple dozens of trainings uh, on growing a business or being an entrepreneur where what you're told is to use scarcity and to use FOMO as a way to make a sale. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Legit. I mean, it's, it's, there's only two spots left, right? Do this now. <laughs> and in fact, I saw a post from someone the other day. I, it's a coach that I know. And he said, this is not one of those pretend there's only two spots left. There really is only two spots left. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's a good point because with my clients, when they're saying, well, how do I deal with this? One of the things I tell them is that you need to accept that everything is not an emergency. 
And I'll say, mm-hmm. is, I'll say, I want you to put a filter in your mind and say, is this urgent? Is this an emergency? Does it need to be dealt with now? And, you know, beginning to set those boundaries with that urgency, with a sense of needing to do it now. I say, pick up a book, <laughs> have lunch with a friend, you know, meet face to face, have contact. And it's just, um, it's, it's simple things. You know, so many of the parents say, okay, I'm going to take cell phones away. I'm going to turn off the internet. And I said, well, you know, when dealing with FOMO, with dealing with social media addiction, and Kristen, you heard me talk about this a little bit last week or two weeks ago, it's, I, I'm a big advocate of what we can do versus what we don't want to do. Like yeah. what we can do is implement boundaries of not before eight, not after eight. What we can do is schedule face-to-face interactions with our friends. What we can do is pick up a book and touch it. You know, what we can do yeah. is pick up one thing at a time and focus on it rather than to have six screens going up. What we can do is put some controls on our phones. Absolutely. I think some of it too for me is um, we have these tools because we had this whole period of life without social media and a smartphone and everything to where when people can be insensitive or even insulting, whether they mean it or not, we can, because we can hearken back to the days before (laughs) this instant thing of reaction, we can breathe, try to understand where someone's coming from, not respond out of anger. You know, like we can Mm -hmm. talk ourselves off of not all the time. Okay. What I heard from so many students was they, they don't even know what I'm saying when I say that. It's like, I'm, I was telling them, like, they also were asking me, but how do I, connect the way you're saying that I could connect with people when I'm running between class and I'm trying to get my homework done and I'm getting my books. It wasn't that, oh, how sad this kid's damaged that they don't know how to connect. It's that they, 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 they haven't had the, the opportunity to be taught how to do those things. So what they were asking me was, how do I use chopsticks? There's no YouTube videos on how to use them. I mean, that's how, well, you know, I mean. And I think that speaks to us and our generation girls is that what are we modeling? You know, at Mm -hmm. at dinner, you know, when I'm cooking dinner, am I also Googling, you know, whatever, or checking social media, or do I put that baby down? Right. So we, as you know, we, Chris and I, we talked about and Frank, this concept of um, uh, isolation of generations. Yes. And yet, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday in my office and they're like, oh no, my, you should see my grandparents. They're all over it now. They've got that, they've got the skill and they're going at it. They may not be, may not be on Facebook, but they're going at it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what can we model, you know, to these other generations mm-hmm. and to each other? I mean, I have one, one of my very best girlfriends in the world. She doesn't, she doesn't social media. I mean, maybe once a month she'll post something on Facebook and she very rarely will respond to a text. If you want to get in touch with her, pick up the phone. And I love that about her. Yeah. I love that. It's not easy with those of us who are working full time doing podcasts, having kids and horses and dogs and all of that things. Mm-hmm. We, we fall right into it. But how often are we actually picking up the phone and talking or going for a walk or having coffee? We, we need to model it. Yeah. Oh, this is so we, we need lots of conversations around this, but yeah, I think we, we understand what FOMO is and why it's important to talk about it and that there isn't, you know, here's your prepared treatment plan for how to not have FOMO. It's a lot of little things that you can do. Right. So um, Christina, will you share some? And then Lisa, you share just, just a couple before we close the show that people can take away from what we've said and maybe make implement those little things. 
Well, you know, we've literally talked about examples of how we each do this. Mm -hmm. So whether it's that setting of a timer or having, as Lisa said, certain times of a day, right? I know that I'm usually booked for certain amounts of time. So I have dedicated time where I'm actually going to be doing that. And that actually works really well for productivity as well in every case, right? So doing time blocking as a way of, yeah, there's social media time, there's online connection time that's okay, but it's also boundaried. And it's the boundary piece that really makes a difference as well. I would say making sure that you have some time every day where you're able to just be in a quiet space with yourself without anything else going on. And then, so similar to what we've talked about, but if you're not yet into truly meditating, maybe as you're on the bus or the car, you don't turn on a podcast or you don't turn on right. some the radio, that you just let yourself be. And then notice, as Lisa said, when some of those negative thoughts are coming up, see if you can sort of breathe and allow them to also slip by or maybe even take the next step and say, how can I look at this differently? Mm, good point. Lisa, how about you? Yeah, I would jump on that. The very, the most common one I would say that I use is that reframing and, you know, to not see it as a negative thing. Um, but mm -hmm. a big part of that for me is really practicing gratefulness, you know, on a regular basis. So if I see something that makes me jealous or left out, you know, I'll be grateful that those people are having that experience mm -hmm. and I'll yeah. be grateful for the experience that I'm having right now on the couch with my two dogs, you know, so, so reframing, certainly um, practicing gratefulness. Um, absolutely seeking real connections. You know, I have a gal coming in this afternoon to meet with me face to face. We've been working online um, for three years now, much like you and I, Kristen, and she's in my same town, right? And so finally, oh, wow. I just said, I just said, and she does amazing work with teens. And I said, can we just meet face to face and coordinate our efforts on how to help these kids? So, so real time, you know, getting real time. Um, I prefer um, putting a book in my hand versus reading it on a screen. Um, because then I'm not looking at my computer. My kids might come down. I'm on, a, on the couch, you know, with a book with a fire going on, yeah. which is much more inviting. It's, I can yes. put it down. It's much, they seem, they're more um, comfortable to say, Hey mom, can I talk to you? And I'll just put the book right down. Whereas if I'm on my computer, that's usually indicates to them that I'm working. Um, I absolutely, you know, I, I, I didn't coin that term, um, joy of missing out. I, I came across it, but it makes me, it tickles me because I practice that on a regular basis. In a small town, there's this group think of, you know, they say you should, and it's attend any social function in town and music event and lecture. And, and I purposely bask in the glory of not going and <laughs> bask in the glory of, where were you, Lisa? Law. I said I was in the bathtub and then I got into bed at 9 p.m. and it was lovely. Um, and so, yeah, and then the other things I would say, you know, is really, I always ask myself, is this urgent? Is this as urgent as it means? You know, and especially when something provokes us emotionally, right. we feel that the drive to immediately respond, you know, so practicing that, you know, I'm going to sit with it for 24 hours and see if really I'm reading this correctly. And if really I need to react in that probably not so functional fashion. Um, and then, you know, the other thing I do, and I, I don't necessarily do the screen controls because I don't have a lot of social media, but I really, um, and I, I, my, my um, core operating system in life is to have meaningful life experiences with mm -hmm. those I love. And so I try to keep that forefront and center between my eyeballs. And when I'm with people, I try to not have my phone in my hand um, or on my body. I put it down so that I can have those meaningful life experiences. 
Absolutely. And the, the last thing I'll say, which I know we said already, but you seriously take this, take this seriously. Um, turn off all your notifications. Like maybe you have to have some and you can go into your phone and only pick certain ones during certain times of the day that you will be notified if you have to, because it's part of your job and your phone is what's telling you what's going on. But it, if, an, if at all possible, turn off all of the other ones. You do not need Instagram, LinkedIn, and my Alexa. Alexa, cancel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you do not need that. Uh, <laughs> you do not need that constantly because what we learned at the summit and what's out there already all over, you know, in research papers is that it is changing the wiring of your brain. And so yeah. every time you don't have that, even if you just have four hours a day or two hours a day where you're not your brain is not in constant, like hyperactive waiting for a notification mode. Those two hours that you've given to your brain of rest and rewiring are absolutely imperative. So, um, you know, so my appointments go off during the day when I'm working and then after like six o'clock at night and all weekend, I am not notified if there's a text or a Facebook or even a phone call. And what's great is the last thing I'll say about that. It actually is healthy for your brain to have to go figure out if there's a text message, to see if there's a notification somewhere, instead of you being in a resting state and something is fetched and delivered to you, which puts you in that hyperactive mode, to actually go take the act of, I got to go to this app, I've got to open it, and then I've got to go see if there's a notification. The act of that is actually better for your brain. It doesn't trigger cortisol. That's right. Fight, fight, or freeze. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So if someone texts me on Facebook Messenger, I'm like, I might, it might be three days. I mean, I'm <laughs> it's just like, hey, you know, I can, or, or Instagram or TikTok, which I'm on TikTok now. Oh, really? Hilarious. Only to do videos <laughs> that I rarely do, maybe one a week like 30 second videos of my vegetable garden and not to show off to anyone just because I want to have that and I love it and it's all peaceful and I don't want it on Facebook because I don't want it to be like, oh, look at Kristen and her vegetable. So just don't post, just don't post your bagel with cream cheese, please. Oh God, no. But like my dog's playing or whatever. And I want to know what TikTok is about because that's the hip new thing. And it is, it is. Gary Vaynerchuk is talking about it all the time. Mm -hmm. So you know, so we can't, we're not telling you to get away from this stuff, listeners, because look, we, we're in it too. You just have to change the way it gets handled. That's all. So Dr. Lisa Day, Dr. Christina Hallett, thank you so much for coming on and talking about FOMO on Meyer <laughs> Clinic's podcast and also Mental Health News Radio. <laughs> thank you. It was great. Thank you. And thank you listeners for tuning in. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. 
Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.